Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com or by clicking the Share Your Story tab on the Church Center app. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that by clicking on the giving link located in the description below this video or online at fellowshipgj.com. Or if you're a member here at Fellowship Church, you can give through our Church Center app. This will help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thank you for joining us and enjoy today's service. we're coming into agreement with the lyrics that are being sung. So if you feel comfortable, you're welcome to join us in that. 
And if you don't, that's okay because everybody's worship to their Heavenly Father looks a little bit different. So we just wanna make sure that you feel comfortable in this place and worship how you worship and engage with Jesus in whatever way you want to engage with him. We're gonna worship, so here we go. I'm gonna sing till my heart starts changing. Oh, I'm gonna worship till I mean every word. Cause the way I'm feeling and the fear I'm facing doesn't change who you are or what you deserve. 
for a heart singing hallelujah 
know, so many times I think we look at our life and we look at all that God has done for us. And he's blessed us in so many ways. He's always taken care of us. He's always marched us through storms. And we think, how could we ever make that up to God? How could we ever, what, what could we ever do for him that could even measure what he's done for us? And the kings of the Old Testament would ask the same thing. And they, they, God would do something great for them. And then they would just, they would sacrifice all of these bulls. They would, they would take all their offerings and they'd bring it before God. And, and God would say, you know what? It's all great. But what I really want is your obedience. What I really want is your worship. And so when we come and we, we give that sacrifice of praise, man, it makes God smile. Like we can, of course, never repay him for everything that he's done for us, but we can show gratitude. We can show him that we love him. And part of showing him that we love him is just listening to him. If he tells us to do something, we do it. If we got a big decision in our life, we talk to him about it. Man, we can never outgive him. He tried, but the truth is he just wants your love. He just wants your praise. He just wants your obedience. And so, Father, we thank you for that. We thank you, Lord. First of all, thank you for everything you've done in our life. <laughs> we wouldn't even be standing here right now if it weren't you, for you. So we praise you for that. And we praise you this morning. We praise you, Lord God, for how good you are to us. Praise you, Lord God, that we can worship you. We can worship you freely. We can give something back. I praise you, Lord, for this time we've had in worship. I praise you for our church. I praise you that we can gather in a place like this and corporately worshiping together. It's so awesome. We love you, Lord. We love you in Jesus' name. Let's give him another praise offering because he deserves it, right? So deserves it. Well, good morning, Fellowship Church. You guys can make your way back to your seats. Thank you so much for coming out and worshiping with us this morning. A little rainy outside, got the weather changing, but that's good. God is blessing with some moisture, and uh, it's kind of good to get inside and escape that a little bit. If you're watching at home, thank you so much also for watching with us online. If you're a guest or a visitor with us online or guest or a visitor here in the auditorium, love to have a record of you being here. So easy to register here at Fellowship Church, and we'd like to get you a little bit more information. So take out your smartphone or your smart device. That's not your husband, ladies. I know he thinks you're, he's your smart device, but that's your phone. And if you'll text the word fellowship to 94,000, we will give you a link to get you some more information uh, about Fellowship Church. And if you're watching at home, very easy to do that as well. I'd love to give you an invitation to an upcoming guest reception we'll be having here in the next few weeks. Well, God is good. He has blessed us. We worship him now with praise. Now we're going to worship him with giving. As you get ready to give this morning, you know all the ways that you can give here at Fellowship. You can give uh, text tithing. You can do it on your app. You can do it online. You can send your offerings in. Of course, we have offering boxes in the lobby uh, if you'd like to drop your offering or your tithe off. But as you get ready to do that, let me just say a prayer of blessing over you. Lord, we love you. Thank you so much for everything you have given us. Thank you, Lord God, that our finances are not based on the world's economy. Our finances are based on your glorious riches. And you've always stayed faithful to us, Lord, especially when we're faithful to you. So as we give back to you now in the giving of tithes and offerings, I pray, Lord God, that you bless like only you can. I pray, Lord God, that you take care of our needs. That you take care of our church's needs. And that everything that would come in would be uh, sufficient for those needs. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. 
Amen. God bless you as you give. We have an incredible uh, baptismal service right after this this service in 4640. We have over 50 people uh, being baptized. So if you will, yes, isn't that awesome? <laughs> this is one more reason why I love Fellowship Church right there. It's our baptismal services are so awesome. And uh, we just have such a great response. And so many of you are here to watch a loved one be baptized. Uh, know that if you'd like to check that service out, you can. We have plenty of room in 4640. It's a beautiful, beautiful moment. You know what? Uh, baptism is, of course, a symbol of a, a, a new life with Jesus. But it also shows the fruits of our labor. The fruits of our labor, all of you who have brought friends, all of you who have prayed for people to be saved and people that you love and, and, and you're maybe here to watch them be baptized today. It's so cool to be able to see the fruits of our labor and to see what God is doing in people's lives. So feel free to swing by if you would like. And here's a couple more things that are happening here at Fellowship. For those of you looking for an easy place to connect and meet some people within our ministry, we have a men's group and a women's group that operate every single Sunday in between services. Our women's support group meets in the fireside room and our men's valor group meets in the book cliff room. That's something that you wanna check out. Find them on the Church Center app underneath the groups tab or stop by the info center for more information. Whether you are new here or you've been attending for a long time, the Church Center app is the place where you can stay up to date with all of the different groups, all the classes, and all of the different things going on, as well as check-ins for all of our ministries. And something that would help us out is if you update your picture, update your profile information on the Church Center app, that helps the checkout process for kids and everything like that, as well as giving records. It helps us stay up to date with addresses and phone numbers. So if you take a moment today and jump on your Church Center app, click on your profile picture on the top right corner, the home screen, and update any information. That would help us out a whole lot. All of the different ministries from our Sunday services to our life groups, every single thing here is prayed through. We try and seek the Lord on every single thing that we do here within these walls and outside of the walls. And we'd love for you to partner with us in that. Would you help us in inviting people in our community to experience what God's doing here? And that could be a friend, it could be a coworker, it could be anyone in your life, but we know that God is doing something big, doing something significant, not only within our church, but within our valley and community. So join us in inviting people to share in what God's doing, especially this fall. We have some really great things that we know God is going to move mountains in, and so we'd love for you to join us in that. A couple different ways to stay up to date with us. You can subscribe to our text stream by sending the message text FC to 94,000. And you can always visit fellowshipgj.com slash events. Thank you for joining us today and enjoy the rest of today's service. Take me back to the place that feels like home, to the people I can depend on, to the faith that's in my bones. Take me back to a preacher and a verse where they've seen me at my worst, to the love I So last week, I just walked off the stage, <laughs> left y'all sitting there, and many people wondered, was that a mic drop moment or a senior moment? <laughs> I don't know. But I left you with Job sitting in a pile of ashes. He had just come under attack by Satan. Satan went after his physical health, gave him boils from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. He's sitting in ashes with a piece of broken pottery, and he is scraping these boils away from the rest of his flesh. His wife had just told him that he ought to curse God and die. 
We know that she was under compounded grief, and the truth of the matter is all of us will say things that we don't mean when we're hurting and we're lonely and we have experienced great loss. So Job's sitting there by himself. He is sick. He has lost everything that he has. He's feeling unsupported by the only person that he had left in his life, his wife. And here comes his friends. When his friends see him, they don't recognize him right off. They sit down beside him at the end of chapter 3, and nobody says a word to each other for seven days. The Bible says there was no words that could be spoken. And then they speak. From chapter 3 to chapter 38, it's Job and his friends going back and forth. And his friends now give him, and this is important to understand, unauthorized prophetic insight as to why they think these things have happened to Job. Now, we can learn a great deal from this particular passage when it comes to how to deal with people that are hurting. People ask me from time to time, Pastor, when you walk into a situation where there's just devastation, what do you say to those people when they lost a loved one, they lost a baby, they lost a child? Here's, here's what we should all take from this, because God was not happy with Job's friends because Job's friends got it all wrong. Job's friends wanted to say, well, maybe this has happened because you're stubborn. Maybe there's sin in your life, or somebody might want to be positive about it and say, oh, God's going to take you to another level if you just get... No, that's not anything they want to hear in that moment. When you are ever trying to help a person that is going through some kind of loss or devastation, there are three things you need to remember. Number one, your prayers. Number two, your presence. And number three, your silence. That you don't try to answer questions. You don't try to fix what they're saying. You don't try to correct them in the moments of deep and devastating hurt. And instead of Job's friends doing that, Job's, they start offering Job different advice. And Job's like, give me a moment. I just buried my children. The Bible says that weeping may endure for a night, so give me a night. At least give me a season where I can weep, a season where I can cry, a season where I can just get through this. The Bible goes on to say that those that sow in tears will reap in joy. Well, there has to be, in order to get to the joy part, in order to smile, there has to be a time of crying. There are many people that get hurt in this life, or they get hurt by a person, and they don't want to admit the pain, so that didn't hurt me, but it did hurt you. And so because there's not a sowing of tears in that situation, it takes a longer time for them to pull out of it. And many people think, well, if I admit the pain, admit that they hurt me, I'm, it's keeping me tied to them. No, the lack of healing in you is keeping you tied to them. The Bible says that when we sow in tears, when there is a time that we just cry over the pain of that situation, that there will be a time when we will smile again. But the crying season has got to come before the smiling season. And you can usher that smiling season in quicker if you'll just admit, this did hurt me as bad as what I think it did. Well, here we've got Job's wife that's talking. We've got Job's friends that are talking. We've got Job that's talking. But from chapter 3 to chapter 38, God is silent. Now, it's one thing for you and I to go through a season of suffering. It's a whole other thing for us to go through a season of suffering, and God is not saying nothing. And then finally, after Job and his friends are talking, and Job says things like, it would have been better if I'd never been born. 
I mean, you can imagine that, right? What I've gone through, what I've suffered, what this has cost my family, the loss of everything. My wife is hurting. She's devastated. She may never get over this. And to be stillborn or to be doing this, stillborn looks better. And finally, God enters the picture. In chapter 38, God's like, are you done? Y'all done trying to figure all this out? And then he says this to Job in chapter 38. Then the Lord answered Job from a whirlwind, who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant words? Brace yourself like a man because I have some questions for you and you must answer them. Now, for some of you, you might think, well, that seems rather brash or abrasive or cold. I love it because it's a picture of a father and a son. This is what I love about how God talked to Job. God did not baby Job. God's not his mama. God's not his grandmama. He's not going to come and kiss his boo-boo. God talks to him like a father would address a son and says, stand up, brace yourself. Let's deal with this issue that you think that you know more than I know. And then God goes into this question. He said, brace yourself. I have some questions for you. Verse 4, where were you when I laid out the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you know so much. Who determined its dimensions and stretched out a surveying line? What supports its foundation and who laid its cornerstone as the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy? In Job chapter 40, then the Lord said to Job, do you still want to argue with the Almighty? You are God's critic, but do you have the answers? Then Job replied to the Lord, I'm nothing. How could I ever find the answers? I will cover my mouth with my hands. In other words, I will shut up my mouth. That is always good advice, isn't it? Let me just sit here in silence and let God reveal this to me because I can't figure it out. And in the meantime, I'm just going to shut up. He said, I'll cover my mouth with my hand. I've said too much already, and I have nothing more to say. Well, God wasn't happy with Job's friends, and God wanted uh, Job to forgive his friends. And so Job gives, God gives Job this advice. Well, now we're all the way to Job chapter 42 in the story. He said, I want you to pray for your friends. As a matter of fact, he told his friends, he said, I'm not happy with you. You go and you have Job pray for you, and I'll forgive you. So in verse 10 of chapter 42, when Job prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes. Now, why did Job have to forgive his friends? Because there's some injury that was caused by his friends that he might not have even been aware of until chapter 42. Sometimes when you're in the middle of the fight or when you're in the middle of some kind of thing that's going on, uh, you don't even know how bloody you are until it's over. And so because of the injury that he incurred by his friends, God said, I'm not going to fix you until you fix your issue with them. Now, please hear me. That's how restoration works. When God wants to restore you and he wants to bless you, he will bless you, but there are some things that he wants to make sure you have right first. And, th- and his restoration didn't come until after he prayed for those who hurt him. Hear that. His restoration did not come until after he was able to pray for those who heard him. And there it is again in the verse, when Job prayed for his friend, the Lord restored his fortunes. In fact, the Lord gave him back how much? Twice as much as before. 
And then it says in verse 12, so the Lord blessed Job in the second half of his life, even more than the beginning. For now he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 teams of oxen, and 1,000 female donkeys. He also gave Job seven more sons and three more daughters. And Job lived 140 years after that, living to see four generations of his children and his grandchildren. And he died an old man who had lived a long and a full life. The Bible tells us that Job lived 210 years. So if he lived 140 years after this time of tragedy hit his life, it means this time of tragedy hit his life at the age of around 70. That makes sense when you kind of look at his first 10 kids and there was an older son, they had their own homes, they gathered. So you could put Job at the age of 70. We don't know how long the tragic season of his life happened. We know that he got all the information back to back to back. We know it all came in one day. His wife dealing with that, his health issues that he was dealing with as well. But what we do see here, even though we don't know how long he was in that season of difficulty and tragedy, what we do see here is when the season was over, God gave him, watch this, 140 more years of blessings. So if he lived to be 210, he, fa he faced this deal, these issues at the age of 70. God gave him two times the years that he had already lived on this earth. The Bible said God gave him back twice as much as he had ever had before. But now here's an interesting question for you, Bible scholars. God only gave him back 10 kids. Why didn't he give him 20? I mean, if he's doubling everything and double 10, 20, can I give you the answer? He had 10 kids in heaven. So 10 there, 10 here, add it up, equals 20. Another interesting part of this story is that some things are irreplaceable. That first child, that first 10, there might have been a Susie in that first group, and that Susie was precious to him. So God, in restoring things to our life, doesn't necessarily give us back or replace those things that are exactly the same because there are some things that are irreplaceable. So when it comes to restoration, what God gives us back, he doesn't give us back the exact thing, but he gives us back that thing that that person gave you. So he may not give you back the exact husband, the exact wife when they go to heaven, but he gives you back the thing that that person gave you that you lost. And God restores everything to Job. And Job lives 140 more years after the tragedy. And why? What was the key? Job remained unbreakable. Job upped his commitment with his heavenly father through the hard times. He didn't have an answer. He couldn't fix it himself. There was nothing he could do. It was falling apart around him, back to back to back. But Job stayed committed to God. And he proved to the enemy that his commitment to God was not based on any conditions that was going on in his life. He had received unconditional love from the Heavenly Father, and he reciprocated with full commitment to him no matter what happened in this life. 
And God said that if you are going to be like that, then I am going to be like this. I don't know if you're like me, but when something happens in my life, I'm analytical. I want an answer. I want to know why this happened and why they did that and how come this went on. I just want to know. Give me an answer so that I can get closure. But in this story, do you notice that God never gave Job an answer? God never said to Job, hey, this all started because it wasn't anything about you. This has to do with the fact that I'm going to bless people in the future because of you. I made you unbreakable, and I knew what the outcome would be. He never told him any of that. He never said, well, me and Satan were talking one day up in heaven, and I suggested that Satan go after you. He never told him that. He never told him that at the point where he didn't give in, I let it be okay that boils were poured all over your body by uh, uh, all over your body by Satan, but just not to kill you. I kept him from killing you, Job. Never had that conversation. And many of you are waiting for an answer that, listen to me, isn't coming. If they could just tell me why they did what they did, listen, if you could talk to them, they may not even be able to explain to you why they did what they did. And today's the day that you keep moving and you move forward. And I'm here to tell many of you that you can't be held hostage by explanations that you may never get. You don't need closure. I think I need closure. You don't need closure. God said to the Philippians, he said this, he said, I will supply all your need. And if you needed answers in order for you to have closure, God would have given them to you. But if you don't have answers to this point, you don't need the answers. You just need to get up and get going again into the next beautiful season of your life. Instead of being held in the place of what I don't know, what I do know is I'm going to lean into the one who does know. I'm going to lean into what I do know about God, and that is he is undefeated, that he has never lost a battle. I'm leaning into the fact that every battle that God has been in, he has won, and God has brought me through everything that he has brought me through in the past. And you might say, well, Pastor, why did my mom have to die? I don't know. Why did I give the best years of my life in that marriage to my spouse? And he disregarded me like that. I do not know. Why did I get that diagnosis? I don't know. But I know we serve a God who is all-knowing. He is all-powerful. He is wonderful. And he loves you. And he will bless you. He will make every tear in your eye disappear. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He is all that you need going forward. And when Job was down to nothing, Everything was gone, and he had absolutely nothing left. The only thing that he could do was trust his heavenly Father and up his commitment level. And when Job upped his commitment level, God blessed him through that difficulty and through that problem. Now, what happened to Job, and this is interesting, and this is why I love the book so much, and this is why I love Job. What happened to Job is, wasn't about Job. What happened to Job was about us. Job lived 2,500 to 3,000 years ago, and he's still being talked about today in churches all over the world. Usually when somebody dies, when their last real family member dies, you never hear about them again. 
But here we are talking about Job. A man who stayed committed to God, a man who upped the commitment as the things in his life got more difficult, and he never walked away. He never disregarded God. He never disrespected him. And when God corrected him, he was, yes, sir. I'll keep my mouth shut. I'll just keep loving you and trusting you. One of these days, God's going to call me home. And when I leave here, I will give him the very last breath in my lungs. I will give my wife, Anna, the very last beat of my heart. And I will go to heaven and I will see a lot of people that I hadn't seen in a very long time. I'm going to hug a lot of necks when I get to heaven. But there's also going to be a fellow that I look for and that I will find by the name of Job. And when I find Job, I'm going to let him know, Job, God used you in my life. That when there were difficulties and there were tough times, I saw you as being unbreakable. And when I think about the things that you went through, it made me feel silly to complain and whine and cry over the things that I've gone through. And it made me pick myself back up again. And it made me re-up my commitment to my Heavenly Father. Because, Job, if you could do it with everything that you faced in this life, I could too. Then I'm going to give him a big old hug. And I'm going to tell him thanks. But until then, I'm going to give my Heavenly Father the very best that I have. Until then, I'm going to serve him at 100%. I'm going to be the pastor that he wants me to be. I'm going to love you guys the way he wants me to love you guys, even though some of you make it harder than others to do that. I'm going to, I'm going to care for you. I'm not going to give up on you. When I see your commitment level waning a little bit, I'm going to correct you. When I see you doing good, I'm going to hug your neck. I've asked Pastor Tim to come alongside of me in these days as my co-pastor in this season of my life, I'm leaning on him as he leads forward. JL is our executive pastor. We have got a wonderful structure here. All of our pastors and all of our ministers on our team, all of our support staff, and well over 450 of you that serve alongside of them. Pretty amazing church. Pretty amazing what God, God is doing. But I need to end this service the same way I began last week, with four questions. I ask you who was smarter, you or God, when it came to the past, present, and future. A resounding God, you said. <laughs> I ask you if you hit an impasse, and everybody in our culture is saying, go this way. This is the way to go. Let kids decide whether or not they're going to be male or female. They can just be a whatchamacallit. Even though our Heavenly Father said, male and female created I them. God said, I knit you together in your mother's womb. You are not who you are from the womb. You are who you are in the womb. He decided when you were in the womb whether you would be male or female, what your temperament might be like before you ever got up. And you as parents see it in your kids when they're months old, right? But when the popular culture says this, and this is the way you should go, and this is the way you should think. But God says, I am clear about it. Go this way. You gave me a resounding, go God's way. He's smarter. You did that. And then I said, well, then, because he's smarter and he knows the best way to go, can you trust him? And you said, 
Yes, resounding. And then I said, can he trust you? And crickets <laughs> could be heard in here. There's never been a time in our lives where our commitment level to God needs to be stronger than what it should be now. And there's never been a time in our life where we have been hit and inundated with so much information that brings so much confusion in our life by very smart, educated people, people that we think should know things. And so scientists say this, and politicians say that. We've not, that may not have any clout, but, but, the, the, but the, the really smart, educated folks. And we think, well, if scientists say this, it must be true. I, can I remind you, I don't know the mystery you have behind a scientist, but to me, those were the kids in my class who didn't play sports. <laughs> they did their homework. <laughs> they, they, took, they, they turned in the assignment on time. They had very little personality. They stared at their shoes a lot, but they got A pluses. Good for them. And this is the question that I have to ask you. If scientists say, and by the way, I love the amount of knowledge that God has given us as humans. I love the inventive powers that God has brought into the lives and the minds of people. I love the microwave oven. Thank you, whoever did that. I love jet airplanes instead of props. I love that. Get there faster. Love it. I think it's really cool what NASA people can pull off. They're brilliant and they're very smart. But I don't care if it's a scientist. I don't care if it's a university professor. I don't care if it's a politician. I don't care if it's your parents. Anytime anyone ever says anything that goes contrary to what our Creator, Heavenly Father, has already said needs to go into the category in which God has put it. Now, some of you are thinking, well, what category did God put it? It's clear in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 8. The Bible says, Jesus, God talking, don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies of high-sounding everybody, nonsense, that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. It all goes into the category of nonsense. Well, there's more than one way to get to heaven, nonsense. There's more genders than just male or female, nonsense. Anything that goes against what God said goes into the same category that he put it in back there. I don't care who's saying it. And you, we need to clear up our confusion when it comes to our commitment to our Heavenly Father that what he says settles it, whether we understand it, whether they get it or they don't. The second question might be, well, we don't want to offend anybody. Everybody gets offended over everything. We don't want offense to take place. We want to play nice. Well, let's go to Jesus. Jesus offended some people. Now, Jesus, I know he had to be political. He had to care what everybody thought. So he's having it out with the Pharisees, these religious leaders who were supposed to be very smart. And they say to him, your guys don't, they don't follow the traditions of man. Man says this in the past, but they're not following those traditions. And Jesus says to those Pharisees, he says, 
Though he says, you people follow and listen to what man says, but you are not listening to what my God says. So you are hypocrites. And then he dismisses them. The Bible says that the disciples come to correct Jesus in Matthew chapter 15. Then the disciples came to him and asked, do you realize you offended the Pharisees by what you just said? And Jesus replied, every plant not planted by my heavenly Father is going to be uprooted. So what? Say it one more time. So what? Well, I'm bothered by what? And then he says, they're blind guides leading the blind. And if one blind person guides another, they're both going to fall in a ditch. Ignore them. The Bible talks about at the end times, and I think we're getting there. I think we're living in the last days. That there will be a great falling away. Are we not seeing that? Are we not seeing people who used to worship, who used to love God, who used to come to church services? Have we not seen them fall away? I have a responsibility to talk to you. All of you that used to be in our church, you're in driving distance, and there's no physical reason why you can't be here now. I'm telling you this because I love you. There is a difference between wearing the title of Christian and being a true Christ follower. Jesus himself said, as you see the end coming, gather together more, not less. Here at our church, we've created all kinds of opportunities, throwing in retreats and classes between services. We have meetings that take place all throughout the valley, all throughout the week in somebody's home, gathering in somebody's restaurant because we're meeting together more. And I know how nice it is and how comfortable it is to sit on a sofa and eat pancakes and watch TV for church. But it is not the same. And you are not experiencing what's going on in this room. And we miss you. You're a part of this family and if something happens to you, we're gonna be there for you. You call, we're there. Whether we see you again in years or not. But I want you to answer a question for me, please. How is it that stadiums for sporting events are filled all over this country? Concerts are filled. In ball games like the Broncos, you've got strangers standing shoulder to shoulder with other strangers. You have people standing behind people, shouting and screaming over the top of their head, spitting saliva everywhere. And churches across our country post-pandemic are only 55 to 65% full from what they were pre-pandemic. It is because of that great falling away that we were warned about in the Bible. I am begging you, fellowship church member, don't be a part of that group. Don't be a part of those 
who are a part of a great falling away. You've been deceived. And don't let blind people lead you. Jesus made it clear. You say, what do I do? Re-up your commitment. There's never been more an important time. Re-up your commitment. And come on back in here next Sunday. Seven days from today, all the praise choirs up. Pastor Tim's going to be speaking, and it's going to be awesome. We'll leave the light on for you. Just come back to your church family. Come on. This isn't a time for anybody to play games. Christians are Christ followers. We're not just wearing a title. And if by any reason or for any reason your commitment level to him has been lacking, maybe because you've been confused, maybe you don't want to offend anybody, that's not who we are. We just do what Christ said. They get offended, they get offended. Who cares? Blind leading the blind. And if really smart people, no matter who they are, go against what God said, we put it in a category of nonsense and we go with what God said, period. That's who we are. That's who we are. And I like how God handled it. He didn't baby Job. He didn't coddle Job. He said, brace yourself and stand up like a man and deal with what I'm telling you. And he did. I'm not discounting the hurt and pain you've gone through. I'm not. I'm not discounting mine. But stop looking for a reason or an explanation of why that happened. And re-up your commitment. God gave Job 140 years of blessing, a short period of difficulty, even though it looks like it's going to last forever. Forgive those and pray for those who caused that pain. And let God usher you into a new level of blessing. Would you stand with me, please? <clears throat> Would you bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment? If you're in this service and you have never made that ultimate commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ to be your Savior, if you've ever ne never called upon the name of the Lord to be saved, if you're not sure if you were to die today, you'd go to heaven, if you're not really sure you're part of his family, you've never experienced it or felt it, the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And right now, I want to ask you to call upon the name of the Lord. I'll lead you in a prayer. Everybody in the house praying with me right now. Dear Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. I want to go to heaven. I know Jesus is my only way. And Jesus, I'm asking you to forgive me, to be my Lord and to be my savior. I want to be your follower. I want to grow in my relationship with you, connect with your family, and do life with you. So save me now. In Jesus' name, amen. God didn't just come into your life to save you. He came into your life to lead you. Re-up your commitment and be his follower. In Jesus' name, be all.
Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If this was your first time experiencing Fellowship Church, or if you want to learn more about one of our many ministries, you can text FELLOWSHIP to 94000 to connect with one of our staff. If you're in need of prayer, we would love to support you. You can submit your prayer request by texting prayer support to 94000. Our prayer team will receive your request and immediately start covering you. As always, we are still just a phone call away. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY with any questions. Thanks again. We hope to see you next week in person or online.